Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello again, Cove Church. So great to be with you as we continue our series called Fathom, where we're engaging the great and deep truths of God. Uh, Allow me to start with our series scripture. Let's read it together. Big voices, go. And I ask him, Jesus, that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. So that gets us into our Fathom series today, which today focuses on the fact that we get to love God's word. See, that's such a beautiful scripture declaring the possibility, the availability for us to experience the love of God in a real way. And that truth has been made known to us Through one vehicle, one place, the story of God told to us in Scripture. So if we are to continue to grow in our love for God, as this series invites us to do, it will include growing in our understanding and in our aligning to God's Word. The study of God's Word, a process known as bibliology, the study of the Holy Scriptures. And it begs the question for us, and it's this, what's the deal with that book, right? What's the deal with this book that we call the Bible? Uh, In one sense, it is a completely ordinary book, meaning it is ink on paper, right? Now, sure, there's variations of that. You got your softback, you got your hardback, you got your your leather, you got your engraved, you got your your python, your your leopard, uh, your waterproof, your your tween study Bible, your teen study Bible, your teeny tween study Bibles. You you got your parallel, your interlinear Bible, your, your men's Bible, your women's Bible, your athlete's Bible, your fisherman's Bible, vegan Bible, Bible on tape, many variations, but ultimately still simply a book. Yet I propose today that the Bible is more. The word Bible means books, a collection of writings. There are 66 books altogether. It is divided into two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Testament means covenant. So 39 books in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. This is really mostly about God's relationship with Israel. 27 books in the New Testament, the New Covenant. This is about God's relationship with the church, where Jesus brings relationship with God to all of us. The Bible is written by 40 different authors across a 1,500-year span. The authors came from vastly different cultures, vastly different educational backgrounds and geography. Its origins span three continents, It's writings coming from three languages, tackling not just one subject, but hundreds. Yet still the Bible sounds one note, one message, and it's this, God's love for people. Now that alone is miraculous that that can happen through all those vehicles or all those different voices, yet that note is so clear. Yet the Bible is even more than that. 
The Bible has been defended by people's lives throughout history, transformed cultures, changed individuals. In fact, this book, sadly, has even been misused at times, used errantly to validate prejudice, selfishness, and greed, used as leverage, not life, used to ill intent. So although we cannot undo those disturbing pages of history, the pages of the Bible actually point us to something different where we can discover this truth. Revealed within the pages of the Bible is God's redemptive plan for humanity. Oh yes, the Bible is more. Now I say that, and some of you right now will say, yes, amen, I, I believe that. Others are like, eh, I'm not totally sure about that. And still others, you'd be like, you're out of your mind, okay? The Bible has this way of creating conflict and questions. It, it certainly did for me. In fact, one of my first arguments about spiritual things was with, was with my buddy Dana after I'd been to church with him and I came back and I said, what is the deal with the Bible? Why, are we, why is it such a big deal in church? And why is like somebody wrote a, a bestseller and now we're all supposed to change our lives and live to it? I just didn't understand. I didn't see the miracle. I didn't see it was more. Yet I was encouraged in that conversation to Discover it for myself. Try for myself. Taste and see. So I started reading about Jesus. I started reading about God's love. And I found out for myself that the Bible is more. Now, you'd think that would be enough, right? That that would drive us all to it. Just to want to know and experience God's love would, would make us just clamoring for the scripture. Yet, the redemptive message for us and maybe what we get to consider is that, that that message of the scriptures at times left lonely and unread and shackled within its pages on a shelf or in a drawer somewhere in our house. It's truths only revealed by the keys that we carry. The question being, will we actually open our Bible or not? It can, I know that can be a little daunting. There's a lot of translations out there. Which one's the right one? King James, New King James, Sweet Baby James, <laughs> the NIV, the NASB, the AARP. There's, there's a lot of versions. Let me cut through all of that for you right now. The best translation of the Bible is the one you actually read. That's the one you want. Because it's there that we engage the story of God's love and the revelation of God's truth. And that truth can set us free. It can bring us life and can allow us to experience what our creator has always wanted for us. God miraculously set in motion a document that would carry his truth across time. It's called the Bible. See, the Bible is more. And because the Bible is more, it has the ability to do more in my life than anything else. These are the words of God to us. And they have the power to introduce us to the God who changes everything. So today, we engage the power of God's word. And I would first mention this truth. God's word has the power to change our direction going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, starting verse 12, first part of it. Let's read it together. Big voices, go. 
Because God's word is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word does something in us. It's not passive. It's not dead. It's penetrating. It shines God's light on us. That's what living and active things do. They produce, right? Years ago, in our office here, uh, we had a, I had a fish tank in that office. There was, a, there was a, a fish in there. It was an Oscar type of fish, this big fish. And so I called him Oscar. It seemed the obvious thing to call him. And he, he was really big. He grew to be gigantic. But we would try at times to, to have Oscar have other fish friends. You know, maybe he's lonely. Well, Oscar was a bit of a bully. And so you'd start out with nine fish friends. And the next day there would be eight. And then the next day there'd be like seven and a half because he'd have eaten half of one of them. And, and Oscar was, was not a friend. He was not a friendly fish. He would kill all the other fish. Eventually there's just a few left just hiding out under the rocks knowing that Oscar was after them. And I remember at the time, it was years ago, one of my sons wrote notes uh, on the fish tank as though they were from Oscar. And it was lines like, I've killed men like you before. And it was, <laughs> I've got red on my ledger, signed Oscar, you know. Evil chose me, signed Oscar. I, I knew that Oscar was living and active because he was having an effect on his world. Now, not a good effect, mind you, but an effect nonetheless. The Word of God is like that. It's living, it's active, it has an effect that's why you can read the same passage 10 times and every time you experience something different, you learn something different. And an indicator of it being living and active is that it actually causes change. See, God's word not only teaches us, God's word transforms us. Jesus said in John 6, 6.63, the words I speak are spirit and life. These words, they're living and they're active. God's word was never supposed to have this sort of passive approach, passive position in our life. So we must never have a passive approach to it. Because when we engage with God's word, we encounter God's promises. Like Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Among so many things that the the Word of God has the power to do. This passage tells us that the Word can tell me both where I am and where I'm going. I mean, that's pretty helpful, right? How great is that? Like the maps on our phones? I, I can't imagine now how we ever got anywhere in the world without the maps on our phones, right? When I'm traveling, I don't know how anybody used to do it. I know we used to have fold-out maps, but that seems crazy. But I know even now that can go bad, our maps and our phones can send us to crazy places. Why am I going through this way? You know, why did it send me on that route? And at times I've felt like that voice in my phone gets angry with me when I'm on a journey. You know, it's like rerouting, you know, make a legal U-turn, rerouting. And I start to sound like, man, I think she's getting mad at me, you know. And I'm waiting for her to say, you know, you know in 400 feet, stop and throw me out the window, you know, because they just had it. That's the guidance we can get in this world. Yet God's word is perfect at guiding us. Our world gives us so many directions that, that, that are, can be so strange or, or maybe even unhelpful. 
I, I actually found uh, some actual directions that were written on products. These are legit things that were written on products. Uh, here's one of them. On a carton of milk, it said this, may contain dairy products. <laughs> Go figure. On a bag of popcorn, will pop if heated. On bean bags used for juggling, do not eat. And on lunch meat, do not mistake as toilet paper. <laughs> Such a helpful hint. Put it on your sandwich, yes, but don't go the toilet paper route. We live in a world of unhelpful directions, and some of us have followed those directions for years. And we have the scrapes and the scars to prove it. Yet God's word has the power to reveal where I am now and where his best future is, the best directions. And what is so encouraging with God is that there's always a way forward. We never fall so far that God's word cannot show us that here's where you are and you're right in the midst of this mess, but then God's word can reveal step one on our pathway out. There's always hope. That's what we find there. If, now, if that was all that God's word did, that, that alone would be enough, yet it does so much more because it is living and active. God's word has the power to examine our existence, and, and we, we need it to. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. God's word has the power to clarify our confusion. Let's continue the passage. Hebrews 4, big voices, go. It penetrates to the point that it separates the soul from the spirit and the joints from the marrow. This word, the scripture, we're told here, has the ability to divide soul and spirit. And he uses this picture of a knife dividing joints and marrow. Two things that are very close to each other, yet they are not at all the same. In no way that the same structure or function, but, but they're very close. And so the word can actually separate them. I remember um, being in a fly tying class when I was a kid, uh, learning to tie flies for fly fishing. And I'm like 12 or something. And uh, I remember the instructor of the class, uh, I don't remember a lot about it, I don't, don't even remember what he looked like, but I remember him saying, he had this special pair of scissors. And he used this phrase, he said, these scissors are so sharp that it'll cut through your finger and it won't even slow down at the bone. It's one of those phrases that has always stood out to me. I'm not sure why. But I was like, those are sharp. See, this, this passage tells us that God's word is, is sharp like that. But, but the two things that, that God's word is separating is actually soul and spirit. Now, here's a basic way of looking at that division. Soul is based in our will, our thinking. Spirit is based in God's will, God's thinking. Here's what makes God so amazing and God's word so amazing. It has the ability to distinguish those two things, to separate them out, to discern what's from me and what's from God. Now, isn't that always the big question for us, right? When we're stressed and there's emotion and there's hurt and there's fear and there's anxiety and we're going, what to do? What is the right decision? And we're asking, God, what's from you and what's from me? 
And to make it worse, those expressions of the soul, the, the, the will, they're often master impersonators, meaning they love to try to sound like God to us. But they're not God. Reminds me of a story. There was a, a priest, a minister, and a rabbi. They were all friends. I know, this is how jokes begin, right? And uh, they decided they wanted to see who was best at their job. And they thought, you know, the best test would be to go into the woods. And this was, as they say, you go, we're all going to go into the woods. We're going to find a bear. And we're going to attempt to convert the bear, you know, to, to our personal, uh, you know, form of religion. And, and whoever does that best will win. So later they got together to see what happened. And the priest began. He said, well, I've, I've found, the, I found a bear. And so I, I went over the catechism with the bear. I, I sprinkled him with holy water. And next week is his first communion. They said, wow, nice job. Way to go. That's pretty good. The, the Protestant minister uh, said, well, I, I went and I found a bear. We happened to be by a stream. I, I preached with all my heart to the bear. And that bear got baptized. I baptized him in the stream. It was beautiful. I said, wow, that's really good. Good job. And then the rabbi was there. He's now lying on a gurney. He's all bandaged up in a body cast. And he just said, well, looking back, I probably shouldn't have started with circumcision. Just let that one rest for just a second. <laughs> Some directions sound like God's idea, but they're not. Some impressions in our life sound like God's idea, but they're not. Our soul will attempt to impersonate the voice of God and say stuff like, well, you should slam that person on Facebook because it's eye for an eye, and, and after all, this is business anyway. Since business is involved, you, should do, you can do whatever you want. Or our soul will tell us, you should cling to that bitterness. Don't let it go. Hold it over those people. That's your leverage. What if they do this to someone else? This is, this is what they need. This will help them. That's our soul talking. But God's Spirit says stuff like, bless those who persecute you. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And our soul says, that can't work. The soul loves to impersonate the voice of God's Spirit, but God's Word is the voice of God's Spirit. That's why this is so beautiful. If you wonder what God's Spirit sounds like, it sounds like this book known as the Bible. So often we, we don't feel like, like we know what's happening, but in this case we don't have to guess what God would say because God already said it and preserved it for us. Some of us are living lives dominated by our will and our emotions, and we're wondering why we don't see God. Because that's not God. That's soul, not spirit. It doesn't mean God doesn't use emotions and those things, but that's not how we hear God. God wants to speak to us through our spirits. Our will doesn't want to hear God. That's why we pray God's will be done. God's kingdom come. Because without it, I default to my will and my kingdom. And so like a sword, God's word cuts through all of that confusion. It penetrates and it separates. 
Those are the two edges of God's word. Separates what is most confusing. Separates what God knows from what we know. Separates who God is from who we are. Separates what God speaks from what we speak. And then it penetrates to the places in our heart that we don't even know how to get to. At times, I think we've been tempted to view God's word as a weapon of offense, of destruction, mow them down, win the debate with God's word. But this describes the word as an implement of surgery. Not a scimitar, it's a scalpel. We at times think this sword is, is only a weapon for us to aim at others, but first and foremost, is it is a tool for us to aim at ourselves. As David wrote in Psalm 139, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is God's scalpel pointed at me. And that's how God heals us. That is what the word can do. It can clarify our confusion. It's the second thing. Here's the last thing. God's word has the power to manifest our motives. Let's finish out the passage. Big voices go. It's able to judge the hearts, thoughts, and intentions. There's an interesting thing about the word judge there. It is the Greek word kritikos. You know, here's like the idea of critical maybe comes out of that. The word is only used once in the entire Bible. And it refers to this, one whose business and special gift is to judge. Like they're designed for this. They're equipped for this. God's word has the capacity to both judge and to convict. It actively shines a light on how I'm living. It allows us to rightly examine our lives. Now you may say, well, I don't know if I like the sound of that. That sounds a bit uncomfortable. I mean, judgment's kind of bad, right? Well, you know, like, like what if God finds something wrong in my thoughts and intentions? <laughs> well, the question is, don't we want to know that? And don't we want to then see God's way out? Because I know every time God looks into my heart, he's going to find some of that stuff. See, anytime you let God's word search your life, God's going to reveal the stuff that's not his best. He's going to do it with me too. Because we're flawed. And there's no end to my need of transformation. And this is never to judge us. It's to free us. It's like the other day. Uh, had my car brought to the mechanic that we have, trusted mechanic for some work to be done. And I brought it in for several reasons, brakes, normal stuff like that. But there was a sound in the back right side. And, and I would be driving somewhere, and if I went over a particular bump or turned a certain way, I heard this gunk sound in the back right side. And it was driving me crazy. And I was like, that's, that's a bad sound. And so, so I went to them and said, you know, you can do brakes, do all this stuff, but there's this gunk sound in the back. Can you, can you figure out what's making the gunk in the back right side of my car. And they're like, sure, we'll, we'll get that done. So they did a bunch of work on it. They said, okay, I think we got the stuff done. We did this thing. I think that's your gunk sound, and uh, you're all good. So I drove, I paid for it, drove off. The minute I pull out of the parking lot, I hear gunk in the back right side. I'm like, they didn't get to it. So I drive back, and I said, hey, can you ride with me? And I'll, I'll 
tell you what I'm meaning. So the mechanic gets in, sitting in the seat. I drive out, out of the parking lot, and immediately, kunk, back right side. I'm like, you heard that? He's like, yeah, I heard that. So I take it back in. And, and I'm sitting there. He's like, we'll get after it. I wait for him at the place. He comes back, and he has a rock in his hand. And he says, found this inside your shock, back right side. This was stuck in there. It was where we couldn't see it from the outside. We couldn't, we, there was no way to, we had to dig in there and we found this thing sitting in there somehow. This is what was making the kunk sound. <laughs> he said, this was the problem. Now, I was rejoicing. I thought it was great. When he did that, my response wasn't, hey, that's kind of judgmental. It was, no, thank you for healing my car. You saw the problem, you got in there and you dug it out. Thank you for healing my car. The work that God does in us when we allow it is is not God's wrath, it's God's rescue. And God says, my word will do that in your life because, because I these are my words of life to you. Because these words point you to your healer. It's going to reveal not just our actions, but even the motive behind them. That's where God's going to get to. If you, if you read about Jesus, which I hope you're reading about Jesus all the time, Jesus' motive was a big deal to Jesus. Because he always would get into the truth of our hearts. You know, he'd say things like, okay, now you didn't sleep with that woman, but you wanted to, so that's still motive and that's still sin in your heart. Or he'd say, yeah, you didn't kill that guy, but you just crushed him in your heart. You wanted him gone. Still sin in your heart. He's addressing motive. And Jesus was always frustrated with religious folks who would cling to the letter of the law and miss the heart behind it. Motive. And so God's word has this ability to make our motives known. Where am I trusting God? Where am I just making it look like I'm trusting God, but in truth I'm trusting myself? Jesus knows that just because something or someone looks godly on the outside doesn't mean that's the truth or the whole truth. It's like uh, this woman who hired a a couple men to, to work in her garden and in her yard while she was having a bridge party. It just happened she was having a bridge party and they're working in, in the yard. And during the afternoon, a guest looked out and saw one man raking in the yard. Another one was performing just majestic leaps into the air, just amazing, like just incredible height of this leaps and, and incredible athleticism in the air. And they're like, hey, look at that. That, that man is a wonderful gymnast. And another lady is like, yeah, I would pay him like a hundred bucks to come and teach us that in our aerobics class. That's just incredible. And so the hostess opened up the window and, and asked the fellow raking if he thought his friend would like a job. He'll pay a hundred bucks to teach that gymnastics to their aerobics class. And so he leans over to the guy and says, hey, Fred, do you think for a hundred bucks you could step on that rake one more time? <laughs> Just because it looks good, it doesn't mean that it is good. God's word has the power to move past what we just put out there for public consumption and actually address our inner thoughts and our intent. Think about it. What's the difference between manslaughter and murder? It's intent. 
The same action can have a different foundation, and God's word reveals all of that because God's word has the power to manifest our motives. I'll wrap up with this. As a kid, I can remember trying to help in doing yard work with my folks, and I remember trying to do the wheelbarrow when you're little, you know, and, and, and wheelbarrows just felt so heavy, and I can remember so often, I'd, I'd try to do something, and I'd have dirt or whatever was in it, and I'd get five feet and crash, and I'd dump out everything in, and it'd be a way worse problem than it started out, and I, I was just, and I'd be frustrated by this. Because often the, the question isn't, do I have a desire to help? The question is, do I have the power? I want to see this done, but do I have the power to see it done? Do we have the ability to see real change affected? And I'm here to tell you that God's word does. It examines our lives. It clarifies them. It reveals the motive behind the things that we do. Nothing else can do what God's word can do because these words are spirit and life. They will always have an effect. Really, there's only one thing then that can stop God's word in our lives. And it's us. That we simply decide not to listen. We have access to something that has the power to change our lives, to bring about rescue and redemption. The question is not, what can God's word do with us? The question is this, what will we then do with God's word? Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.